Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. And I'm Albert. And coming up, we'll be speaking to Sam Nazarko about OSMC, the Kodi-based distro. But before that, let's get straight on with some news. And one of the first things that's come out uh, in the last week has been uh, Ubuntu Mate 15.10. Um, we had uh, Martin Wimpress on the first show talking about what was happening with uh, Ubuntu and the latest releases out. And uh, guys, did you get a chance to have a play with it? I did for sure. And I've seen you had a pretty good post there recently, Albert. And I completely agree with everything you said. For me, uh, a few quick notes on it was uh, it took about four minutes to install. I liked the welcome screen a lot. It was uh, smaller than Raspbian. It, one of my big things was it came with Firefox out of the box because the Infinity browser, if that's correct, that comes with the Raspbian is the probably the worst browser known to man. And I, it just is so slow with me. So I was definitely really thrilled with this and um, tried out a couple of GPL experiments, probably maybe not to depth that Albert did, but equally had everything worked out of the box. I was very, very pleased with the, the image overall, completely pleased. Yeah, it was great. I got a chance to talk to uh, Martin at at the last um, Egham Jam because he's local, and uh, he really, really listened to what people were looking for. He included the GPIO, he included Minecraft, he included Sonic Pi, he included the latest build of Scratch, and it, it all it all just worked perfectly. And as like as you as you said, Isaac, um, the GPIO stuff works straight away. I did a, a pip install for um, GPIO zero, the Ben Nuttle project. And uh, that worked perfectly on Python 2.7, but I couldn't get it working on 3. So I expect it probably will. I'm just doing something silly because I'm not a, a Python guy. But yeah, so GPIO works. GPIO 0 works on 2.7. And everything else works as well. I did Minecraft programming when it was 15.04, so I would expect that it worked perfectly as well. Yeah, I was very impressed with it. It's um, a serious alternative to Raspbian, I think. And it was before. And then the new Raspbian Jesse came out, and it was kind of uh, felt a little bit more feature-rich than Ubuntu Mate, but uh, Martin's really stepped up with this one and uh, and made it, as I say, a serious alternative. So you, you've got two very decent options there. Yeah, I, I had a few people on Twitter ask about uh, desktop operating systems, and I would definitely recommend Mate. I mean, my, to me, the a desktop operating system has to work with my printer. I have a, a wireless printer sitting here behind me, and Mate just found it installed the correct drivers, printed the test page without me having to do anything. I just had to go click, 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 and it did it all correctly for me. And then if you install the software center, getting other applications is really, really simple. Yes, I, I completely agree. I would, If anyone's using Raspbian right now, I would almost say quit using it and start using Ubuntu Mate. It's definitely, I feel like it's way better than Raspbian. A lot faster, everything out of the box. If it's not the box, I'm sure it's the PPA here and there will get it. And I think that's the problem, Albert, that I ran into as well with the Python uh, 3 stuff, not playing well with the GPL 0. But mm -hmm. I was ecstatic, very happy, super happy, and I I just I love the image. If you're listening to this podcast right now, go pull it down. If you haven't, you're definitely missing out. So another thing that's been making the rounds of the news is this Raspberry Pi-powered rifle that shoots down drones. Now, I think rifle, uh, that's what everyone's been calling it, but that's not really accurate, is it? It's kind of um, just an antenna, really. Yeah, I mean, the way they described it is, it, this is this is the military doing military work using the Raspberry Pi. And the way they described it was that by making it rifle-shaped, it meant that the powers that be could understand it. You know, if they showed them some weird wacky box with wires hanging out of it, then that just looks 
convoluted and technical rather than something that they're used to holding and pointing. And uh, it, it just made it more, you could even say friendly and familiar for uh, the military to understand. But it worked. It, you know, they used a Raspberry Pi to uh, shoot drones out of the sky. The, the thing about this to me is it, this was already going on before this rifle was, I guess, uh, created. And as soon as everybody makes it to the shape of a rifle, everyone kind of flipped out about it. But all of this rifle is doing is exploiting. So it's basically just uh, exploiting uh, uh, something known already on the drones that was figured out by Sammy Kamar. K. Kamar? I believe I should say his name. I probably screwed that up. Anyway, everybody will know him. He's the MySpace, MySpace hacker guy who created that uh, worm a long time ago with MySpace. He's already got this going on with a drone that he's created that's using a Raspberry Pi that's just basically doing what I, you know, I feel like would take this to the next level, which is just flying around, hunting out other drones that are on a certain Wi-Fi or on a Wi-Fi it's picking up on and then ex- hitting this exploit and knocking them out of the sky or basically zom- turning them into zombies, taking them over, and now he's got like another drone under his wing. But I don't see this being anything for people to get really worked up on because uh, as far as it being technically going to be in the field anytime soon, that won't happen. I just I had a hard enough time with an M16, which has no Raspberry Pi, and the elements screwing it up, much less something like a Raspberry Pi and the elements of nature screwing that up. But when it comes to the futuristic idea of drone-on-drone drone violence, then this definitely is a little terrifying, but I still think it's a cool idea overall. So, And again, another big announcement from the Foundation Element 14 is the ability to modify the Raspberry Pis, to do custom modification. Uh, th- this looks very interesting. I mean, when the the Pi came out first, I definitely saw people looking for versions of the board with with no headers, no connectors, with the option to remove things and add things on. And some of them back in the uh, were looking for it for uh, commercial applications or for large volume builds of of products. And it looks like that option is now becoming available. The question I have about this is. It seems a bit like Theseus' paradox to me, and that's the thing about the ship where if you change the sails and then it's the same ship, and then if you change the deck, it's the same ship. If you change the hull, it's the same ship, but then eventually it's none of the same parts, so is it the same ship? And, you know, with the broom thing as well, change the handle and the uh, and the brush, is it the same thing? And I don't know, is it a Raspberry Pi? If you start changing all of the, the various components on it, doesn't it just become just another arm board? I think the key thing here is that it's built on what the Raspberry Pi provides. So the, the, the stability, the processor, the, the work that's already done there. So, yeah, it becomes something completely different. You know, if you take off all the connectors and it's still the form factor of Raspberry Pi, yeah, it's a Raspberry Pi. But if you add in extra sensors, more memory, uh, you know, reconfigure things, add in Wi-Fi to it, then it's basically the same BMC chip, but with or BCM chip, but with the extra functionality added in. So it's not may not work as a regular Raspberry Pi anymore, but it gives manufacturers a solid core to work from. Is this customization stuff they're doing, Albert? Is this their getting a leg up on the Internet of Things concept? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, they, the BBC interviewed uh, Evan Upton on it, and he mentioned that, you know, it's not going to be in your light bulbs, but it could be the, the sort of home hub or the hub device that you have with extra functionality built in as standard. So, you know, realistically, anything that's connected to the Internet can be an Internet of Things device. So it'll probably play in there at some level. But I don't think it is purely for 
Internet of Things type devices, there's enough small other alternatives available that could be embedded to do, you know, less complicated tasks. I'm just waiting till I turn about 50 and have some kids bring around an entire desktop computer and be like, look at my Raspberry Pi. So I can, <laughs> so I can be like, well, back in my day, it was the size of a credit card. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just a bit concerned about fragmentation. And if you've got loads of different custom versions of the Raspberry Pi, that you, it's kind of you haven't got that one core product or, you know, at the moment you've got very few models and so it's easy to target as a developer, you know, independent developers like Martin Wimpress with Ubuntu Mate, for example. Whereas if you're trying to appeal to various different models with, you know, as you say, Wi-Fi and, and different memory and all that kind of stuff, then I just think it could potentially lead to um, fragmentation. Yeah, I mean, my reading of it is these things aren't designed for general public. It is yeah. a custom build, a single use. It's kind of the, probably the kind of thing that the compute module was designed for. Mm. Um, so I, I find it intriguing. I'd love to know how the compute model, module and this customization fit in. Are Element 14 effectively taking the compute module or the base Raspberry Pi and building new boards on top of that? You know, are they are they redesigning PCBs and moving components around in that way? Or is it a layered service whereby, you know, instead of having USB ports, you have direct connections to other chips being added there at that point? Because again, the, the Broadcom chip, my understanding, has a lot more capability built into it than has been mm. extended out on the GPIO or the other functions. So... You know, if somebody needs those, then it'd be great if they can get at them for their custom build. But it's not something that any of us will be buying and then putting our own distribution on. It'll come as a, a sealed box. It just happens to have a Raspberry Pi in, in the heart of it is what I'm expecting. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And then a, a few weeks ago, we mentioned, or a few episodes ago, we mentioned the uh, Western Digital Pi Drive. Um, it's a, a drive with the USB connector built into it with a split power supply. Um, so that you can power the Raspberry Pi and the drive from the one power supply that they effectively provide. Well, somebody's done a um, a nice little Stanford on Thingiverse. So we'll link to that as well. So if you have one of those and you've got access to a 3D printer, then this is a great way to, uh, to mount it and stand it. Because this was my thing with this, is the drive that was provided is a, a bare bones drive. So it's not in a case. So if you're going to put it somewhere, you need to find a way of stopping it getting damaged or... Uh, you know, interfered with while well, the stand will give you that option. Yeah, it looks like a really nice uh, standard. And the kind of texturing that you get from 3D printing, they seem to have really taken advantage of with it. Um, so, yeah, it looks really nice. I'd, if I had one, I'd, uh, I'd definitely be looking to 3D print one of these. And up next, we have the Raspberry Pi Weather Station. has They've made a kit now for schools and I don't know about you guys, I'm a really big weather nerd, and I think this kit is super awesome because one of the things I've looked into doing with the Raspberry Pi is creating a weather station out of it. But when you get into that, you realize it's not an easy project, nor is it really hard, but you there are some sensors involved. You do need a good covering or case to protect your Raspberry Pi from the elements. And most of this stuff is not sewed together as one, and you kind of have to buy everything individually and hope it all plays well together. And I think this is really slick what they've done, which is put this all into one kit. Equally, the guy, I can't think of the guy's name that's created this. He's come up with some lesson plans as well for the kids that are getting their hands on this. And I see this as a really great way to get kids involved with not just the Raspberry Pi, but weather and science in general. And with these kits, you can, you know, 
pretty much just hand them over time and time again each year to the next school class of kids coming through. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing reading about this for me was not so much the electronics, but just, as you said, the weatherproofing of it. You know, I, I would be quite happy to connect all of these kind of sensors together and get the data, but I wouldn't put it outside with my ability to uh, create a watertight enclosure that would also let cables in and out of it. So it's all built into it and it's all being packaged up with, with the educational uh, goal, uh, ready for kids to use and take advantage of. Yeah, sounds good. And so we're finishing off the news then, uh, just a quick one, that there is now an Android 6.0 Marshmallow image for the Raspberry Pi 2. And there's a YouTube video kind of showing it off how it works and there's a freely downloadable image. And I don't know, it's a bit like we, we talked about the 5.1 um, Lollipop image. It's not hardware accelerated. It just doesn't work very well, really. It's, it's just more of a proof of concept, really. But it's good to see that there is work going on with Android because I know there is a huge demand for it. Yeah, I think this is going to be something that's for each coming version of Marshmallow, it's going to slowly get better and better. But for the time being, I'm just until I see at least the YouTube clip of some some better response times, then I won't really probably pull us down and check it out. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I must admit, I'm kind of intrigued by Android on the Raspberry Pi, especially now that you got the uh, the touchscreen, because that's the perfect inf- interface for it. Um, but Raspberry and Math, they, they do what I need for now. Um, but definitely keeping an eye on it to see if the accelerated drivers come, because that also means that the accelerated video drivers would be available for potentially other operating systems as well. So it's kind of, for me, it's the indicator if open source drivers have been prepared or a way has been found to integrate the uh, the proprietary drivers. Yeah, I think that's the big problem, isn't it? That you've got these um, the, the proprietary drivers and trying to fudge them into uh, an image is quite difficult. So if someone manages to do it well with Android, then yeah, it probably is the, the key to opening up stuff like Tizen and Sailfish OS and the other mobile operating systems. So yeah, here's hoping. I'm afraid that uh, the only way we're going to see that, Joe, is when Google decides they want to have a, Mar- a Raspberry 2 image for the Android. Yeah, maybe. That would be good if they uh, if they did that, but yeah, yeah, you never know. Yeah, with six or seven million of the uh, Raspberry Pis out in the field at this stage, it could happen. Yeah, it could do. You know, it's a it's a stable long term platform. Build it for the Pi two. It could actually make sense for them to do that. Yeah, and Google want to get Android on every device that they possibly can. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> right, that's it for the news. Then let's move on to the interview. We're now joined by Sam Nazarko, who is the founder and lead developer of OSMC. So welcome, Sam. Hi. So to start with, then, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, yeah, so um, I'm a 21-year-old student, or at least I used to be. Um, I'm living in London, and uh, last month I've just graduated with a degree in computer science from King's College London. Uh, I've always been interested in computers and technology. Um, even as a kid, I think from the age of four, I had a very basic laptop, and I've always stuck with the interests ever since then. And what kind of things were you uh, working on sort of as you're growing up? You say you've been, been playing with them for a while. Uh, back in the day, to be honest, there wasn't uh, much computer science at all. It was more playing Lemmings or sometimes even Doom before going to school. Uh, and gradually I took more of an interest in them and things went on from there. What made you choose uh, computer science then in college? Um, by the time I'd, I'd reached that age, uh, I'd realized that it was what I wanted to do. Um, 
So I decided to take it as a subject and get the paperwork and get a better grounding in the subject um, and take it from there, really. So, Sam, you are the lead developer of OSMC. Can you give us a little bit of the background on that? Sure. Uh, so OSMC stands for Open Source Media Center, uh, and it, it's based on the Kodi project. But Kodi is an application. It's a media center. And OSMC is more of the operating system uh, that brings it to various devices. So we have the Raspberry Pi, the Vero, the Apple TV coming in a couple of days, and soon the desktop PC. And it, it's the successor to Raspberry MC, which was the original uh, version for the Raspberry Pi. Can you tell us the difference between OpenElect and OSMC? OpenElect is built from near scratch, uh, whereas OSMC is based on Debian. Uh, the difference being that OpenElect is a bit more locked down. So OSMC has around 40,000 packages that you can install from the command line. Uh, Debian has app to get, so you can install any of the packages available in the Debian repository on OSMC. Uh, so their distribution is more stripped down, slightly more embedded. Uh, I think both projects are good, but it very much depends on your use case. So, um, OSMC is for people that want to customize their media center and enjoy it to its full potential, whereas OpenLake might be more of a set it up and just leave it running kind of situation. So if I've got a Raspbian install, can I put OSMC on top of it? Or do you, you kind of said it's 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 the foundations, or do I need to actually start from scratch with OSMC for it to work? Uh, that's a good question. So OSMC is based on Debian Jesse. And for the Raspberry Pi 1, we use Raspbian Jesse because it's optimized for the Pi 1 specifically and we get the best performance. But for Pi 2... Uh, we're just based on Debian Jesse directly. We don't use Raspbian. Um, this means that you won't get any package conflicts, but we've never actually attempted to deploy OSMC directly on top of Raspbian. What we do is we take a small, we build our own Raspbian image and then we put OSMC packages on top of that. Um, in the future, I'll look at developing a, a method of doing that. But for now, if you install OSMC, you can use all of the Raspbian packages uh, with a couple of changes. So in terms of getting it ported onto the Raspberry Pi, presumably there was a fair bit of optimization needed. So, I mean, what was involved with that? Uh, to be honest, when I don't know if you've ever tried a Raspbian C build from around 2012. The performance was quite yes. horrendous, to say the least. Yeah, it, w it wasn't as good as OpenELEC, I remember that much. Yes. Um, Eventually, we sat down, we took each issue on a case-by-case -case basis and made it, made it much faster. I think we relied on the community a lot for that because there are a lot of use cases we weren't familiar with. Um, but it's certainly come a long way. So, Sam, can you tell us about the code that is driving OSMC? OSMC is actually a lot of mini-projects internally. So we have the installers for the device, the installers that run on Windows, Mac, or Linux, if, if you've tried them. Then we have um, our updating tools. Uh, then we have to patch the upstream code. So we, we cover C, C++, Python, um, and a lot of shell scripting. Uh, there are a lot of internal projects that compose OSMC as a whole. 
How did you become the lead developer of OSMC? Uh, well, I, I started the project after Raspberry MC, so I knew we could do better. Um, and I was supporting Crystal Ubuntu, which was uh, an Apple TV distribution. And I realized that with a unified code base, it would be a lot easier to target more hardware and maintain it. So OSMC was born to provide that unified code base and that unified brand name so that we could consolidate our development. You mentioned uh, installers earlier on for various bits and pieces. When, when you install OSMC, it, it actually has a, a custom, I, I did on Windows, it's got a custom Windows installer. Uh, why did you go for that rather than just a, an, an image file, the same as some of the other distributions? That dates back to Raspberry MC. I just wanted to make it as easy as possible for someone to select the version, click a couple of buttons and deploy it. Um, I've always found that downloading an image and using something like Win32 Disk Imager is a little cumbersome. Uh, and another thing we can get from that is pre-seeding. So you can actually set up your Wi-Fi uh, or a USB installation right from the, from the GUI. And one of the advantages of that is uh, some people have very long Wi-Fi passwords and they don't want to enter that with a remote. So they can enter that on their Windows PC and then the Raspberry Pi will automatically connect to the Wi-Fi network. Uh, you, you mentioned um, installing to a USB device. I saw a, a blog post recently um, about somebody who was showing how to do that. And they do you need to have your USB drive plugged in to your PC? No. When you're setting it up? Okay. Uh, so... The SD card is needed to boot the Raspberry Pi uh, in all situations except for the Model A, uh, but then you'll need a USB connection. So the idea behind the USB installation, uh, a few years ago, corruption was quite prominent with SD card installs. And the idea was if you only had a few files on the SD card, namely the boot files, then there was a, a much less significant chance of getting corruption. Um, but USB installs can be faster in some situations. So all you need to do is uh, insert your SD card, image it to the SD card, and then when you plug the SD card and a USB stick into your Raspberry Pi, it will automatically configure that USB drive as the main partition. Do you get any performance issues from that, though? Uh, not really. Uh, you'll see performance gains in some situations uh, with USB 3 drives or mechanical drives. The only situation I can think of where you might see a degradation would be if you've got high network traffic and you're writing to the disk at the same time. Uh, that's because the LAN and the disk will share the same USB bus. Yeah, so streaming 1080p content from a NAS or something, that potentially could be an issue. That won't be an issue because uh, the streaming won't be writing anything back to the disk. It's more if you were torrenting or something like that at very high speeds. Oh, okay, fair enough. So I, I uh, installed OSMC there recently to see what it was like. Um, and I tried Raspberry MC before and a big difference in, in the performance, as you mentioned. Um, but I also noticed um, the kind of App Store is set up slightly differently. How, how does the App Store work in OSMC? Uh, so as I mentioned, we have 40,000 packages in Debian. We add our own, but the problem is some people don't want to use command line tools to install software. So the app store is effectively a front end to this. And 
it needs a bit of work, but we're planning to add more applications in the future. And we've actually got a software development kit that will either come out in quarter four, well, that's meant to be now, or (laughs) (laughs) things always get delayed, or January. And this will allow people to develop their own apps on a Mac, Windows PC, or Linux PC, click a couple of buttons, and it will be on the big screen. And we're we're hoping that this will really grow our app store. You mentioned earlier that OSMC is built on top of Kodi. So will the same packages and repositories that I use for Kodi also be available for OSMC? Uh, Kodi is just the application. So anything, any add-ons that run in Kodi will run on OSMC, provided they run on that hardware. So there are a couple of exceptions, but pretty much all add-ons that run in Kodi on your Windows PC will run on your Raspberry Pi with OSMC. So I've seen mention of game emulators. Is that available on OSMC? We currently have uh, a RetroPie set up specifically for OSMC. It's being maintained by a community member, and it's been called RetroSMC, which is terrible to pronounce. We're hoping that that will be developed further, but there's also... uh, Retro gaming capabilities coming to Kodi, and I'm offering test builds for this at the moment. Uh, so that's quite promising. Uh, I suspect we'll have an official retro gaming system within a few months. So all entertainment needs taken care of soon. <laughs> yes, it's, it sounds like it. Very good. I was, again, looking at um, OSMC and, and Kodi, and something that I keep seeing coming up as well is things about remote controls. Do you have a, a favorite remote that you use or, or what do you use to control your setup? Uh, I use the OSMC remote, but that's probably slightly biased. <laughs> um, one thing we've done is pretty much get every remote we can find and make sure it's supported in OSMC. Uh, sometimes you'll get a remote and there are a couple of buttons you can't map, but... If you go into my OSMC and look at remotes, I think we have something like a hundred remotes supported now out of the box. And you just have to select the remote, click apply, and it starts working. Um, so we're trying, we're trying to support every remote indiscriminately. Uh, the Fire TV ones are quite good. Uh, the Bluetooth one is quite good. It's popular with the users. And presumably the Android and iOS apps work quite well. Uh, yes, they're completely compatible. So you search for the Kodi remote controls rather than... OS, there, is there an OSMC one in, in the app stores? Uh, there isn't yet. We plan to work on one with a, a customized interface and add some of the My OSMC functionality to it so you can control OSMC directly. But for now, any XBMC or Kodi remote will work perfectly fine. What does the future hold for OSMC? Uh, good question. So... We're expanding to more hardware. Uh, we hope to have OSMC running on the desktop soon enough. Uh, the challenge with, with this, of course, is doing it in a non-invasive way. So that means allowing a dual boot with Windows or Ubuntu or whatever you have installed on your PC and yet allowing people to uninstall or reinstall easily. Um, we've got, we're expanding the app store soon with the official software development kit. Um, and Mainly the focus now is expanding to as much hardware as possible. A lot of our features are based on community requests, so they're generally quite spontaneous. And for the hardware, on your site you mentioned uh, you're selling a device called a Vero. What, what is that specifically? Is that something that you've built for specifically? 
Uh, yes. So the idea when we were looking at this was there are a lot of people that want to buy a device that's free from restrictions such as the Apple ecosystem where content has to be purchased through iTunes or streamed through a content provider like Netflix. Uh, and they just want a just work system where they can enjoy their existing library. So with Avero, for example, you get everything that runs out of the box. Uh, you plug in a USB drive or, and you can enjoy your DVDs or your music library. Um, and we're actually refreshing that next month, uh, with a new model. So watch this space. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> something like that. Okay, so um, if people want to find out more about you and the various projects you're involved, uh, including OSMC, where's the best place to, to find that? Uh, probably samnazarco.co.uk. Um, or you can just go to osmc.tv and probably find the link from there. And if people want to contribute to the project, where's the best place for them to go to? Is it the, uh, the OSMC website as well? Uh, yes, the, the best way is to start a discussion on the forum uh, and then we, we, I mean, we're trying to get more developers. Uh, we have a team of about 20 people now and we're trying to grow that. So yes, what we like to do is, um, discuss with community members what they'd like to see in new versions of OSMC or how we can make things better and then take it from there. Very good. And, and definitely let us know when the, uh, the development kit is out and we'll give it a, a shout out. Cause I'd say there could be a fair few people out there who'd like to write extensions or write apps for it. I think we'll uh, be offering a competition with some prizes for the best apps, so I will let you know. Ah, sounds good. So, well, thanks a lot for coming on the show and giving us your time, and hopefully speak to you again at some point. Okay, thank you. That was a great interview with Sam. I mean, I must admit I find um, OSMC a, a great little operating system at this stage. I hadn't really played with it much in its, its Kodi version, so I am fairly much came to it new. And uh, I think I think they've done an amazing job of getting it working really, really well on the Raspberry Pi. It, it's definitely nice and, and fast to use and everything that I needed for it to do, it, it it's definitely doing. Yeah, I've been playing with the uh, the Cody version of it. It's definitely a good alternate version to OpenElect since OpenElect is pre-configured. There's really not much you can tinker with. OSMC at least lets you tinker with it a little bit. There have been a few repositories that I ran to that I couldn't pull from Cody that... OSMC seemed like it wouldn't let me install, but still, it's a really good alternate version to open a leg. Now, I'd highly recommend everybody at least trying it out, see what they think. For me, the way I'm using it at this stage is just as a media server. I've been looking at putting together a media server in my house for oh, for years and never got around to it. Just had a, a hard drive that I plugged into um, an old WD uh, TV box that I had that worked great. But it did mean that everything was tied in one place. So once I got OSMC working, and worked great. I then installed the DLNA server and the FTP server and uh, just plugged the drive in and, and it works great. So now we've got, we've got a couple of Blu-ray players in the house that just connect to it automatically and play all the movies and the music. My wife has uh, an Android tablet and the kids have their own little tablets and you know old phones that we've got and they're playing music and movies off it at the same time. So we've had three different movies being played off it at the same time without any problems in the house. Ah, that's something I'll definitely check out, I think. So with that then, we're coming to the end of another Pi Podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepipodcast.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Isaac and Albert, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you later. <laughs>